0: There's also three orphanages. There's one uh, that is uh, for boys taken off the street, teenage boys taken off the street. There is another for teenage girls that have been taken off the street. Um, All of them are orphans. Uh, But then we have another one which uh, the house was actually purchased uh, by our church. And uh, we go down there two or three times a year uh, to to see the kids. And I just want to... um, give you a picture of these kids. They have grown a lot, and the website's a little outdated. We're going to get it. Uh, we are going to uh, um, update it soon, but I want to uh, introduce all these to you. Who is this? This is, is this Marvin's? This is Marvin's here. So this is one of the children, uh, my daughter Grace and I were in the the house. We stay we stay there. We like to stay there. Actually, the kids like to stay us to stay there, and uh, they'll come and, and, and wake us up uh, uh, freely, which is <laughs> which is uh, uh, wonderful and horrible at the same time. But uh, this is Marvin's, and he's been there about four years, three or four years. The next one. Uh, this is Love Son. He's the oldest. I think he is 14 now. It's uh, incredible to believe. Start thinking that these guys are actually going to graduate from from high school. We are hoping to to get some or all of them up here to Boston, and then uh, the next year, um, this is this is his name is Weekendi. Now he's brand new. He there's been 12 for for three or four years. We want, uh, we're deliberately keeping the size of, um, of this house uh, small, and uh, some of the kids uh, come into this house, uh, and they don't, re- actually, they don't smile or anything for up to a year, but he, this kid is just delightful. I mean, that is uh, what's on his face all the time, that smile. <laughs> okay, next, next child. This is, this is Emerson. He's looking real studious. He, he, uh, he came with a, a pretty significant disability in, with walking, but that has been, uh, that's been taken care of by the grace of God. Emerson. OK, the next one is, uh, this is Jimmy. Jimmy's been there the longest. Jimmy's been there uh, six or seven years. And uh, he, these guys, uh, he, you can carry on a conversation with him in English now. Having them learn English is a high priority because um, your job, uh, the the opportunities increase greatly. And so uh, it's an incredibly good place to um, learn Creole. (laughs) Mpale Creole Tupiti. But because they know English and so they can tell you what everything uh, is there. And so that's Jimmy. And this is Ricky. And uh, he's a delightful boy, and he's just always filled with smiles. Uh, All of them, uh, most of them have been there about four or five years, with the exception of Jimmy, who's been there uh, longer. And then next, uh, this is Alexon, and his twin brother is next, maybe? No, not. This is not. This is Samuel. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead to Samuel. Now, Samuel is... I don't know what to say other than I don't know if I've ever met an a kid who was as good an athlete who is nine years old. He's just incredible, this guy, at every sport. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, next one is, uh, this is Anderson, and he just has a, a wonderful smile. He has a a crush that he has on my daughter, which he's going to have to get over, uh, or maybe not. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the Lord. Uh, but uh, anyway, they, he was passing notes with, uh, or having others pass notes to my daughter, Grace. So. so after Anderson, um, or, or are we done? Is that it? No, because Alex, I haven't seen. Oh, this is Moise. Um, he's also uh, one of the youngest, but he, he, he showed up as a baby. More or less, and, but so he has been around. But he's he's now growing up. Looks nothing what he looks like on the website now. We're going to get the website updated. That's Mois Moses. Okay, who do we have next? This is Lachino. He uh, is also one of the older boys, and um, it's just such. The older kids are just such responsible young men. They are there, just really. Uh, they, 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 they bless the other kids and their wonderful examples. Okay, do we have next? This is Doobie. Mm-hmm. This is Doobie. My daughter Adley and I actually uh, picked up Doobie right after the earthquake at an orphanage that was shutting down. and So he has a special place in my daughter Adley's heart. Then after that, uh, this is Alex. This is the twin. <laughs> and... Uh, um, He's a, he's a He's a blessing too, very different from from his twin brother okay oh yes i I should say that there is one girl um, and her name is is Abby, and uh, she is uh she has just oh wow she's just smitten my heart ever since I knew her I knew her since she's been one year old and she she's she's always at the school there during the day and she's there some nights and other nights she's um, uh, with her, with her mother. It's kind of a, one of those situations that's sort of a troubled situation. So, uh, that's Abby. Okay. Is that it? So we'll be going there in the spring as a church. You may want to pray about being a part of that team. If particularly if you have any construction skills, uh, that, um, would be great because there's a lot of building going on there. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 1. We have another Bible up here. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says this, in Him. Who's Him? Shout it out. Who's the Him? In Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee... you have a pencil or pen Underline that word of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory let's pray lord we thank you we thank you for everything that has happened this morning the worship the the children the parents the granddad we thank you for uh the kids in haiti lord we thank you for this word And I just pray, Lord, that you would just open up our hearts to it so then, Lord, that we would be doers of it. We don't want to be just hearers of the Word of God. We want to leave here doers, Lord. And we know that we can't do that in our own strength. Holy Spirit, come in, live in and through us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin with a question for you and... We've been out of Ephesians for a while. We're going through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but I want to ask you this. What is your identity in? Just try to pretend like there's no no one else in this room. And just no distractions. Just you and God before the Lord. Ask yourself, what is your identity in? What do I mean by that? What is is it in your life that gives you a sense of importance? Uh, What is it in your life that gives you a sense of value, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of worth? What is your identity in? Is it in your job? For many Americans, particularly men, their sense of importance, their sense of uh, purpose, their sense of worth is in their job. Is your identity in your beauty, your physical appearance? Many women, their identity is in their beauty, how beautiful they are, their physical appearance? Is your identity in how smart you are, how athletic you are, how, what your physique is, how much money you have, your possessions, the house you live in, the car you have, the your clothes, your jewelry, how much people respect you? Is that what your identity is in? How much people respect you? How much you're feared on the streets? How much people admire you, look up to you? Is your Identity wrapped up in what people think about you is your identity in ministry. Is your identity in your kids? Is your identity in your husband or your wife? Is your sense of worth wrapped up in in, in what you do for your children? You now, just let all that just kind of soak in. Now, well, there's nothing wrong with being excellent at your job and wanting a, a good job. There's nothing wrong with beauty. Nothing wrong with being smart, athletic, having money, possessions, a nice house, a nice car, nice clothes, pretty jewelry. Nothing wrong with having people respect you or admire you. Nothing wrong with thriving in ministry. Nothing wrong with uh, having a wonderful family. More, most of, uh, of all of these things are gifts from God. We're in Genesis right now on Sunday nights, and it's a remarkable thing. God made the world as a garden for you and all these things. But listen, there is something wrong let me just rephrase. Nothing wrong with those things, but there's something wrong with having your identity in those things, with having your value, having your value made up of or your, your worth, your sense of self-worth, your self-esteem uh, made up or wrapped up in those things. That's, that's wrong for at least three reasons. One, it will exhaust you. Making sure that you are beautiful enough will exhaust you. If your identity is wrapped up, uh, whatever, in, in, in your job or, or what people think of you, that is so. Exa- Do you know how exhausting it is for a man, a woman, or a child when their identity is wrapped up in what people think of them? That is exhausting. I know that from personal experience, exhausting, not to mention discouraging and distressing. Number two, it's wrong because what if all those things are taken away or some of them? Women, I hate to break the news, but your beauty is not going to stick around forever. It's not. What's going to happen then? When your beauty leaves, when men's heads are no longer turning your way, when, 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 when it's clear that men are attracted to something younger and more beautiful, what's going to happen to you? Because that's going to come unless you're taken away by the Lord. Men what is going to happen when you're no longer in that job? What's gonna happen when if or when you you are laid off? It's not gonna be around forever. What is gonna happen? What's going to happen, men, if a guy comes along who's meaner, badder, better than you and every, everyone's respect is transferred from you to, to him? Even things like family. If your kids move out, if your spouse dies, are you going to be left thinking that your life has no value? It's wrong to put your identity in these things. Number one, because it's exhausting. Number two, because they're not going to be around forever. But most importantly, number three, it's wrong to have your identity in these things. Uh, it, it, uh, rather, it's, it's wrong to have your identity wrapped up in really anything, other thing, other than God. The Bible says this. Couldn't be clear. The first commandment says this in Exodus chapter 20. Verse 1, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And listen, why don't we just call an ace an ace and a spade a spade? If your identity is wrapped up in your job, your beauty, your house, your clothes, your family, how much people admire you, how much people respect you, how much they fear you, the Bible says uh, that has become a substitute for, for God. Here's, but here, listen, here is the good news. The Bible says if your faith is in Jesus Christ, your identity, Colossians, chapter 3, verse 3, your identity is hidden with Christ in God. Your identity is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? Uh, What does it mean my identity is hidden with Christ uh, in God? Well, That is what Ephesians chapter 1 is all about. That's what we have been studying in Ephesians chapter 1. We're coming back to today. What we have learned from Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writing this from a jail cell in Rome. He's writing to uh, these men, these women, these, these children and He's The first chapter, at least the first half chapter, is all about what their identity is. It's with Christ in God. Meaning that their worth, your worth, if you have embraced Christ, what your value is, what your importance is, is based upon how God sees you. And that alone. So... How does God see you? And that's what we've been going through. But, but how God sees you depends on what you have done with the truth. Look at um, the beginning of the verse that we started with in verse 13. How God sees you depends upon what you have done with the truth that God has presented you. Verse 13 says, in him, in Jesus, you have Also, trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. (coughs) The gospel of your salvation. If you have been presented with the truth of God, and the Bible says the whole world is, every living creature is, and you have rejected it, chapter uh, two, the next chapter of Ephesians, lays out a description of how God sees you. And I tell you, it's not a happy read. It's a terrifying read. However, if you have been presented with the truth of God and you choose to believe it, you embrace it by faith, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the Bible says at the end of verse 13. So at the beginning of verse 13, it says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says, the moment you believe you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that word sealed means owned. We'll talk more about that later. Think of the word branded. Ranchers brand cattle to indicate ownership. If you are presented with the truth of God and you embrace it, God takes full ownership of you. You become a Christian. And Ephesians 1 lays out a description of how God sees you at that point after believing. And and Paul begins this letter with with telling them who they are. So those of you who have been with us in this study, and you're, you're familiar with this chart. Can we get this chart up? Uh... There we go. So this is, this is how God sees you. So if you're a Christian, this is what your identity is in. If you're a Christian, though, you have a choice. You have a choice. And I can tell you this message is to my heart as much as anyone's. You have a choice to put your, just put your identity in. Your job, your beauty, your personality, your possessions, your smarts, your husbands, your wife, your, 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 your children. How much people respect you, admire you, accept you, fear you, and think about you. All of which are incredibly fa- fragile. All of which will make crumble up and go away. All of which are exhausting you and me. Or you can choose this as your identity. So, how does God see you? In verse 1... It says, God sees you. He now sees you in Christ. Not everyone in the world is in Christ. Only those who believe in the truth and embrace it. But once you embrace the truth, once you believe in the truth, you are in Christ, meaning there's been this supernatural union between you and Jesus Christ. And that is how God sees you. Yes, in a very w- real way, he sees his son. That's how he sees you. Are you going to choose that as your identity? Number two, it says here that when God sees you, he sees a man or woman who has been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And when you think of spiritual blessing, that means that God has given you everything you need to live a a godly life, to live a life with God. He's given you you joy. He's given you, or should I say, access to joy. He's given you access to faith. He's given you access uh, to self-control. You have a choice of whether to access it and you have a choice whether to believe this is how God sees you. And next in verse four, it says you are chosen. You are chosen, verse four says, meaning whatever else you may think about yourself of, uh, uh, of what an, uh, uh, I don't know, what series of failures you may have had in your life. Uh, you may think of yourself as, as an, as an accident. You may think of yourself in just a, a terrible way, but God chose you. Next in verse 4 of Ephesians 1 says, you're holy and blameless. Before the sermon today, the message today, the worship team uh, sang a song. It says, I have been made pure And I looked around and I saw people singing that song. I have been made pure. Now, how many people really feel pure? How many of you feel that way? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you do, that's that's a good thing. But if you don't, it is it is a good thing. It's you say, "Oh, I'm I'm not a humble person if I feel pure." That's wrong. Because God has made you pure. But if you don't feel that way, if you don't feel pure, it doesn't matter. God sees you, verse 4, as holy, blameless, pure. The other translations say um, without defilement, without pollution, without corruption. That is how God sees you. You may feel incredibly dirty. God sees you as clean. Verse 5 says you're adopted as his sons and daughter. He looks at you, he sees a son. Verse 6 is you are the praise of his glory, meaning and again, I've said this a number of times as we've gone through the study. This is the most astonishing one to me. You are the praise of his glory meaning from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective, when, when your life is seen, it gives praise to God. All heaven erupts in praise because of you. It's very hard to get your mind around this, but it's the word of God. I'm not making it up. Verse six continues, you are accepted in the beloved. Meaning, when you come to church, you may not feel a part of this group. Some of you, sitting in this room, you do not feel like a part of this group. You don't. I know that just based upon experience. You're looking around at others and you're thinking, you know, these others, they, they have a history with God. They know about God and they're, they're like good people. doesn't matter what you feel. What God thinks of you is what's important. You're accepted in the beloved, which is a reference uh, to the church, God's community of people. It continues, it actually continues. It says in verse seven, verse 7 that when God sees you, he sees you as redeemed. And what did we say? Well, yeah, I'll be very, very impressed if someone, someone shout out. What's the word that we use to define uh, redeemed? Anyone remember? What? Repent. No, no, no. What's the the word that we use? Redeemed. What's the analogy that we gave? Do you remember? Freedom. Slavery. You've been freed. Now, in chapter two, we'll get to see how God sees anyone, including you this morning. If you have not, if you have rejected Jesus, he sees you as a slave, he sees you in bondage. Redeem means you've been freed. You've been freed from the slavery. Slavery of what? Of, of, of sin. But you've also been um, freed just um, into a, a, a liberty to, to live a life for God. Verse 8 continues. It says, you are abounding in the riches of his grace. So when God sees you, you know, we have Christmas coming up. And it's kind of strange, you know, Christmas for for a parent of five kids. Because at one point, it just there were so many Christmas trees around our our tree. My wife and I were ashamed. We're like, wait, now there's something wrong with this picture. uh, There was just so. So we tried to reduce over the years, you know, limit the amount of presents. You don't have to do that. You can give your if that's not your conviction, give your kids all the presents you want. But but. The Bible says that, that when God sees you, he sees a, there's a Christmas tree with thousands, millions, of God's graces, his, the riches of his grace, his graces. The word for grace is gift. The underlying word in Greek is gift. They come in a million sizes and forms and you're just abounding in them. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you know it or not, You are abounding in them. Actually, if you take time to actually sit down and forget about everything that you're complaining about and just think about all the gifts of God, you will find that you're writing for an awfully long time. How does God seize you? You are enlightened, verse 9 and 10, as to God's purposes and plan for your life. And we had a sermon um, about that one alone. It just means that no longer... Um, is this world around us, which is, seems, by the look of the eye, just to be unraveling. I mean, the tragedy this week in California. And, and, it's, and, and, and these things probably are only going to increase. What do we make of all of it? The Bible has the answers as to how history is moving. And guess what? In the end, it's really, really good. And then um, it goes on in verse 11, you are his, his inheritance. Now again, very difficult to wrap your mind around this. But what this means is if you have embraced the truth that you were created perfect, Adam and Eve were created perfect. You were created for perfection, for abundant life. But man decided that he wanted to be God rather than God himself. And so judgment came in, separation came in. But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to be judged, to, to die, which is the judgment for sinning against God for us. And then he rose from uh, the dead And now raised up in heaven, he pours out his gift uh, to us in which we can um, have a relationship with him. And at that point, it says that God wrote himself into you, your will. Is that, is that weird? It's true. The Bible says that in your will, whether you've had an attorney write one up or not, there's a will somewhere and, God, and it has your name on it And it says in it at the very top, "This life is my inheritance, God's. God, you are God's inheritance. Wow, your life, your life means that much to Him that you're His his inheritance." And then finally, and this is this will be the end of this study. I can call this study Eternity in Ephesians because we've been in it a long time. Um, But the end of it is, how does God see you? He sees you as sealed. Let's read this one more time. Verse 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is the guarantee, some of your translations say the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The last part of that verse is kind of complicated, but let's start with this word sealed. When God sees you, he sees you as sealed. Now, well, what does that mean, sealed? Well, we've already talked about it. It's talking about ownership. This is written to a a church in Ephesus, which is a port city, meaning it's on the ocean, and it would receive literally ships. The shipping industry during the uh, Roman Empire, which is, uh, which is, the, it was the Roman Empire who was the government at this time, was heavily into the shipping industry and when the, sh- the ships would come in they would unload crates and on the crates there would be a seal and, and, and included in the seal usually a seal of wax or something like that there would be some kind of sign in there an insignia and when y- you received your shipment you could say that one's mine that one's mine that one's mine I can prove it here's my seal I own this and so this word seal, when God sees you, he sees you as sealed, meaning he owns you. He owns you. He owns you. I bet you thought you owned yourself. Not if you've embraced the truth and given your life to Christ. He owns you. Let me go through a couple of verses. Second, Thim- Second Timothy 2.19. I love this verse. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this sealed, quote, the Lord knows those who are his, unquote. In other words, there's a seal on you that only God can see, and it says, and this is what it says, the Lord knows those who are his. The next one, this is my favorite, Isaiah 43, I'm constantly in Isaiah 43, actually year-round now, just, it's an incredible chapter to pray through. This is God talking to you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Now, there are some of you in here who are like, wow, I'm not sure I like this fact that God owns me. And that's a problem. And you need to go to God with that. Because actually, the fact that God owns you should be an incredibly comforting thing. Incredibly comforting it means you're his responsibility it means you're not your own responsibility he you are his responsibility he owns you now look at this verse this is really interesting this is really deep this is jesus talking this is jesus talking and he said god the father has set his seal on his son meaning and it's referring to the same seal <laughs> the, the seal that god the father put on his son jesus that that mark of ownership is the same seal that is on you. He owns you. Look at this verse, John 17. I love putting this up a few times a year, actually, on the projection screen. Jesus praying to God says this, you have loved them as you have loved me. Meaning, you love them as much as you love me. Meaning, you can, with all humility, get up and say, you can, with all humility, stand up in, 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 a, in a room like this and say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus Christ. Why can you say that? Because it's true. It's what the Bible says. Jesus said it. And then finally, um, oh, actually, uh, before we go on, this whole sense of seal. When God sees you, he sees, um, he, he sees someone who has been sealed. Uh, that word guarantee there in verse 14. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our uh, inheritance? Again, it says in verse 13, at the end of verse 13, it says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee now, that's the Greek word. If you look at the underlying Greek, it's the Greek word, "arabon." Now, do we have anyone in here who speaks modern Greek? Anyone in here who speaks modern Greek? Sometimes we do. So this word means engagement ring. It's, it's the word that is used in, the, in Greece right now for engagement ring. And what it's saying here. Uh, In verse 14, uh, the Holy Spirit is the engagement ring of our inheritance, meaning uh, this seal that is on you, it's like an engagement ring. That is how God looks at you. Now verse 14 goes on to say, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Just take my word. What that means is uh, when it says until the purchased possession is redeemed, just take my word for it uh that means until the wedding party actually happens in heaven meaning now you get the engagement ring but there's going to be a marriage supper uh in heaven and you're going to be there and so but this is the when God sees you he sees you as sealed and 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 those are the things that that um that sealed means that's what your identity should be in but sealed means something else as well being sealed It says, um, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. Uh, It's speaking of the assurance of your salvation. When the Bible says you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, it means that your salvation is sure. What do I mean by that? It means that there is... a 100% possibility that you are going to heaven. Not a 99%. 100%. That's why it uses the word guarantee. Once you have put your faith in Christ, you're going to be in heaven. Why? Because you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Um, In Ephesians 4 verse 30, it says this, using the word seal. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Meaning the day of redemption is the day that uh, Jesus gathers you into his arms in, in, in heaven or in the rapture. Um, you've been sealed for that day, meaning it's going to happen. When God sees you, you may think, oh, I'm, I'm struggling to make sure uh, I, I'm gonna go to heaven someday and I don't even know if I'm gonna be going to heaven someday. You may think that, but that's not what God sees. He sees someone who is going to heaven, 100% certainty, if you have embraced uh, Christ. What does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? It also just, there's the sense that it means a protection. A protection. We're living in a dangerous world. And in the midst of this dangerous world, it's the, the Lord wants to take us away for one reason or another. There was, there was a couple born-again Christians, at least in, in the shooting this past week. Let me tell you, man, they are with Jesus in glory. Pray for their family by all means. But they are having a worship party right now that is blowing, would blow our minds. But that having been said, you can have full confidence that there is a protection because of you being sealed. We just went through the book of Revelation. Was a fascinating study. A very difficult one. But one of the things that happens uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, most of the book really is about a tribulation period that is going to take, take seven years and it's going to be immediately prior to Jesus' return and just unspeakable tribulation is going to be on the earth. There's just going to be affliction. There are going to be disasters and trials like the earth has never known before. But in Revelation 7, it says 144,000 evangelists, men, these are Jews, were sealed. This is John speaking. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. Now, we went on to read after Revelation 7 uh, what, what the, that meant that they were sealed. They were protected just by, from unspeakable judgment of God. Uh, in chapter 8, a third of all the trees and grass were burned up on planet Earth. A great star from heaven um, came down. Like, apparently, a comet or something like that's going to hit the Earth, and it's just going to burn the Earth like a torch. And a third of the waters of the earth, it says, will turn bitter and be undrinkable. And many many will, will die of thirst during the time of tribulation. In chapter 9, it talks about the bottomless pit was opened up and will be opened up, rather. And there will be demons scouring the face of the earth, tormenting people. This seal, however, referred to in Revelation 7, this seal of the 144,000 is going to protect them. From all of that. When God sees you, He sees you as sealed in the Holy Spirit, and there's a protection associated with that. Lastly, what does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? When God sees you, He sees you as sealed in the Holy Spirit. There's also the sense that it's it's a foretaste. That word guarantee, verse 14, it's 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 just loaded. Uh, with meaning there, you're getting a foretaste. You're getting it, it. Some of your translations have deposit. Some of them have an earnest meaning. You have a taste of what it's going to be like in heaven once you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I love Psalm 116. or rather Psalm 16, uh, which says this. This is David speaking. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David is saying this when he was this side of heaven. Now, some of you in here know what I mean. After believing, after receiving the Holy Spirit, you have had an experience, some of you may have had it this morning, where Oh man, this is true. God just blessed you with just so much joy every uh, every anxiety in your life, burden in your life was just you, you were supernaturally able to let it go and just bask in the presence of God. I mean there 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 are times in my life where it's just... Uh, and we talked about in an earlier sermon what peace is just just everything causing discomfort and anxiety of mind just falls by the wayside and you're just in the presence of god just worshiping and being blessed, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that you're chosen, knowing that you're holy and blameless before him, knowing that you're sealed, understanding um, all the things around you that are so difficult for the world to understand, having an actual understanding of that, and, and, and just experiencing the love, knowing that you've got an engagement ring on your finger, just knowing that and just worshiping the Lord. I have been there. But that is just a deposit. That's what this verse is saying, verse 14, when it uses that word guarantee or deposit. or earn. That's just a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like, where you're going to be in eternity with the Lord. And you say, well, I don't really, I, 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 you know, I don't, I've don't really experience that very much. Well, maybe it's because you don't understand the truth of the Bible, which is when God looks at you, you're sealed and you do have access to that foretaste. Who is your identity in? Who is your identity in? Sean, can we get up the original chart? Who is your identity in? You know, I tell you, this message is for me. I just, when I'm really honest with myself, if God took away the ministry, if God took away my wife and my children, if he took away my house, Would I be one of the untold many that the only solution is to just go into a hospital and be drugged for the rest of my life because that's the world's solution to that kind of loss? Would I be just and, 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 and granted if if I lost my daughters and my son, it would be so devastating. And and by the way, that wouldn't be wrong. Of course, there's going to be pain associated with that. But at the end of the day, am I just going to feel worthless because I no longer have any value because I don't have living children anymore? And I ask myself these questions, and and I tell you, I wonder. (laughs) Would I, you know, if, if, if I was no longer in ministry, we're on the radio every day. If, if, the, if it was, we weren't on the radio, if, if I wasn't a pastor, if I was just some obscure guy somewhere, would I be able to get up and, and, and have meaning in my life and have joy? This is an important chapter. And we've spent an eternity in it because of that. It's important, and we need to just be honest with ourselves. I want you to be honest with yourself this week. I just want you to be honest with yourself. What would happen? Here's the good news, and I've seen it. As we grow in Christ, the Bible says we are being, if we're seeking the Lord, if we're walking in the Spirit, If we honestly have a surrendered life where we're surrendering ourselves to the Lord each day, over time, your identity will be hidden with Christ in God. And you know what that means, hidden in Christ with God? That means no one else can mess with it. Every single other thing that you may put identity in, use to put identity in, people can mess with it, man. People can take it away. But they can't take away your identity in Christ. It's hidden with Christ in God. That's why they call it the gospel. That's why they call all this the gospel. It's such great news. Okay, so we're going to end with worship. Thank you for your patience. We've gone a few minutes over. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. And if, if, if while I was up here speaking, you were thinking, "Wow, if I lost this, if I lost that, if I lost this other thing, I think I'd just be think I was worthless. I, I don't know if I'd be able to survive." If you're, if you'd like me to pray for you, I'm going to be up here, and I'm going to, I can pray for you, if, or one of the other folks. Um, uh, can be we 'll be up here we 're going to have some prayer uh, prayer couples up here just to pray for you and 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 you 're thinking you know I know I am way too wrapped up in my kids or i 'm way too wrapped up in the gym and how I look. I am way too wrapped up in what the world thinks a man should be or, a, or in what the world thinks a woman should be. Come up. We will pray for you. If you have anything else on your mind you want to pray about, when the worship team begins, uh, please come up and pray. But in the meantime, everyone stand up. We're going to close with a worship song. And during the worship song, we're going to have prayer. Otherwise, just worship. Worship the Lord that foretaste, that earnest, that deposit, that guarantee, that seal of the Holy Spirit that the Lord has given you. He's given you access to worship him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this. We thank you, Lord, that uh, in your eyes, we're in Christ. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are holy and blameless. We're chosen. We're adopted as sons and daughters. We're accepted in the beloved. Lord, we're abounding in in graces and gifts. Lord, we we can look out at the unknown world that looks uh, and actually make sense of it. What looks known, unknown can become known. We Lord, we we we're the praise of, of your glory when you look at us. Lord we're your inheritance how crazy is that Lord show us what that means and Lord it says when you look at us you see someone you see a man or woman or child who is sealed by the Holy Spirit who is in possession of a guarantee a deposit of what is to come Lord I pray for myself that I would get that and and everyone else here that they would get that and then by the power of the Holy Spirit that we'd all go out and live it. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.